Esther chapter 5. I hope you will allow me to change my mind because at the close of the last episode, I stated that we would study Ephesians chapter 2. But I prefer to delay that for a while. We'll, we'll hit that later on in this book. But I want to continue the story of what has just happened. As you remember, Esther, who represents the Spirit, who is controlled by Mordecai, who represents the Holy Spirit, has been asked by the Holy Spirit to go into the king, which represents the soul, and tell him of the plot that Haman, the flesh, has uh, devised and executed against all the Jews. Now, Esther knows, as the queen even, you don't approach the king unless you're invited. If you go in un uninvited, he could kill you. And Mordecai came to her and said, you must go and see if you can have the king to write a decree to override the decree to kill all the Jews. And Esther reminded him, I face death. And I just loved it that Mordecai said, Esther, if you don't do this, God can choose somebody else. And all of us need to remember we're not the only person that can do the job God needs. We need to be grateful that we have the opportunity to fulfill His desire in us, but He can get anybody else He wants to to do the same thing. I think that's a matter of real pride that we might think, well, look at me, I'm the greatest, and I'm the only one. I've just learned so many lessons by the parable in this story, all the little minute details that God covers as he causes us to take a good look at ourselves, And then Esther does what we all need to do when we have a job to be done, and that is ask for prayer. She got Mordecai to get all the people in the provinces to pray, and in the palace rather, to pray and fast for her. And then her famous statement, if I perish, I perish. No matter what happens, I will follow the leading of the Holy Spirit in my life. And just remember that that's the picture that the peril shows to us. And so on the third day, Esther put on her royal apparel, chapter 5, and stood in the inner court of the king's house. And the king sat upon his throne over against the gate of the house. And it was so when Esther... When the king saw Esther the queen standing in the court, she obtained favor in his sight, and the king held out to Esther the golden scepter that was in his hand. Esther drew near and touched the top of the scepter. And then the king, in verse 3, said, Esther, what is thy request? It shall be even given thee to the half of the kingdom. How he loved Esther. He would give her anything. And that's the attitude we should have. We should be willing to serve the Lord in any way that he calls on us to serve him. And Esther answered. This is a strange answer. And I have pondered over this for hours almost. And then once I got the gist of the story, I'm so excited over what I've learned, and I want you to be excited over what you learned too. Esther didn't ask him to spare the life of the Jews. 
she asked him to come to a banquet that she would prepare for him and also bring Haman. Well, that's a crazy thing to do. Haman is the one who caused the king, the prime minister who caused the king, to issue the decree to kill the Jews anyway. What is she doing having a banquet? Well, we have to read on to find out. And then the king said, tell Haman to make haste, hurry up, that he can do as Esther said. So the king and Haman came to the banquet that Esther had prepared. And then the king said unto Esther at the banquet of wine, what is your petition? It shall be granted thee. And what is your request? I'll give you half the kingdom if that's what you want. So he asked her once again, what is it, Esther, that you want? And then here's the weird thing. Esther said, my petition and my request is, if I have found favor in the sight of the king, and if it please the king to grant my petition and to perform my request, now I get this. Let the king and Haman come to the banquet that I shall prepare for them, and I will do it tomorrow, as the king has said. I'm going to have another banquet. Isn't that ridiculous? And I just want you and Haman to come. And then I will tell you what my petition is at the second banquet. Now, let's look what happened. Then we find out why she did this. You see, the Holy Spirit works in all of us in real strange ways, but he always knows what he's doing, and he always has a purpose. Then Haman went forth that day joyful and with a glad heart. Boy, was he excited. And further down, he says, I'm the only one invited. She loves me. Isn't this great? And his ego just swelled, and he really showed his colors. He was so excited, but when Haman saw Mordecai in the king's gate, that he stood not up nor moved for him, he was full of indignation against Mordecai. And I just want to challenge you. Is your life just going so great, but there's one person that is a thorn in your side? There's just that one person. You can be having a great day, and you can bump into this one person that just gets to you. And all the joy and all the gladness is destroyed by that one person that you cannot stand. Nevertheless, Haman refrained himself. He didn't say anything to Mordecai. And when he came home, he called his friends and Zeresh, his wife, and he told them of the glory of his riches and the multitude of his children and all the things the king had promoted him and how he advanced him above the princes and servants of the king. Just look at the ego. Look at the haughty, proud, uh, arrogant manifestation of the flesh. And Haman said, Esther the queen did let no man come in with the king or to the banquet that she had prepared but myself. And tomorrow I'm invited unto her also with the king. Yet all this availed me nothing so long as I see Mordecai the Jew sitting at the king's gate. 
And then Zeresh, his wife, and all his friends said unto him, Let a gallus be made of fifty cubits high, and tomorrow speak unto the king that Mordecai may be hanged thereon. Then go thou in merrily with the king unto the banquet. And the thing pleased Haman, and he caused the gallus to be made. So he's going to go to the banquet, but now he can go with joy because he's going to get rid of his enemy. And you know the flesh and the spirit are constantly lusting one against the other. And I want to repeat as many times as I can that if you have the Holy Spirit in you, you must remember the flesh is still alive and well. But now you have a power to overcome the lust of the flesh. But before the Holy Spirit comes to live in your heart, you have no control over the flesh. Now here's the thing that I got out of this that excites me. I am not a politician, and I have no desire to be. But I am the lover of current events. And I keep looking at the news, and sometimes I get so disgusted over the behavior of certain people in Washington, D.C. And I wonder why they aren't stopped in their tracks, because they're just causing trouble for everybody. And having read this chapter in Esther, I realize that God will let us show our character to the world. He'll give us the freedom, and we will sink our own ship. The works of the flesh are manifest. They can be seen by all people everywhere. And all you have to do is turn on the television and watch the news, and you see clearly the works of the flesh. People angry, haughty, vindictive, proud, ego. It's all about me. I'm the most powerful, mighty person in the world. And so now, instead of looking at it with disgust, I look at it and say, isn't that amazing? You see, the Holy Spirit was going to let Haman reveal himself to the king. Had Esther gone in to criticize Haman to the king, he may have resented Esther because that was his prime minister. But God in his wisdom let Esther set up two banquets to invite only this one man with the king and put him in a position to show the world who he really was. And we'll pick up chapter 6 next time and see the rest of the story. As Paul Harvey used to say, God bless you for listening. Share this with others. Thank you.